Welcome to Season 2 of the Adopted Brothers Podcast. This season we will be sharing stories that will make you laugh, cry, but most of all, be encouraged. Let's get started. Welcome to the Adopted Brothers Podcast. I'm Gerald. Today we're interviewing Patricia. It's actually my mom. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us what your favorite comfort food is? My name is Patty. I have five children and 13 grandchildren. My favorite comfort food is Mexican food. Yummy. I love Mexican food. (laughs) Well, cool. Well, today we're just going to be interviewing you about your adopted story of kind of how uh, it started and kind of how it intertwined with, you know, Jesus and all that good stuff. Okay. Well, my husband and I and our four biological children had lived outside the country for three and a half years. When we moved back to the States, we bought a four bedroom house. The girls shared one room, the boys shared one room, and then my husband and I had a bedroom. So we had an extra bedroom, so I thought, well, let's fill it up. And so I had found this private organization that did fostering of babies. And I thought, oh, that would be, I would enjoy that, I think. So I got in contact with them, and at the time they had no babies that they needed fostered, but they asked me if I'd be willing to like pick up other foster kids take them to the doctors and stuff like that so I was like sure so they had sent me to a lady's house that had foster kids and I was to take the little foster girl to a doctor's appointment in those days you could do stuff like that (laughs) not now right so when I went to pick the little uh, girl up the foster mom had asked me how did you get involved in this and I told her, well, I was interested in doing babies for this organization, but at this time they had no babies, and so I just volunteered to help where I could. And she's like, if you really want to be a foster mom, you should get a hold of the county. The county is in need of foster parents. So I said, okay. So I went home, talked to my husband, got a hold of the county. It took about, I think, maybe three, six months before we were accepted because they'd have to come. They interviewed the whole family. We did like a family mapping as a group. You know, they talked to our kids, just asked us different questions, and then they accepted us. The first foster kids we got were two little brothers. Their mom, I'm not sure, she was staying at like a shelter, and so I'm not sure the whole story. You never really know the whole story. So I had gotten these two little boys, and I, at the time I had my kids in private school, and so I also put them in private school, because I always feel like, obviously the children are the victims. They don't ask to be taken away from their homes or treated anyway, and so they should be treated as you treat the rest of your children, like their family, not like there's somebody that you're doing a favor for. So I had them, and then what the county does as well is you have to like measure whatever bedroom you're gonna have the kids sleep in, and then they tell you how many kids you can have. Well, they told me I could have two, so I'd gotten the two little brothers, and then they asked me if I could take one more child, toddler, and I said, no, you told me I was only allowed two. So in order to, I guess, get around that, They told me, well, go measure your closet, (laughs) which I did. And then they said, oh, yeah, that's plenty of square footage. So they asked us to come see you. When they take children out of their homes, 
they put him in what's called a receiving home. And the receiving home has him for up to, I think, three months, at which time you go and see if you guys are compatible with each other, whatever. And we went there once and you were in a playpen. It was just so sad. <laughs> and me and my oldest daughter went and saw you and we just fell in love with you right away. So we went back, we, was like, yeah. we were like, yes, we will take him. The first two, we didn't get that choice, but they were great little boys. They were just taken like an emergency type thing. So then we went and got you, and uh, it was around Christmas time. And then we've, you've been my son since. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. I know you, you got good stories too, because I know I know you were uh, you told me about the one where I was in the snow outfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the first day. Poor thing. Like the day that we went to pick. Jerry up from the receiving home we were going to take the kids sledding up in the mountains and so we went to Target and we and uh, we bought him like a little snowsuit and he wasn't able to really walk on his own yet so we got him a little we bought him like this little grocery cart that he could pull push around to help him walk <laughs> so then we got him to the mountains and we set you at, on the side of the hill and gave you Dorito chips to eat as you watch the kids sled. And I looked over after a couple, of, maybe two hours, or maybe not that long, but you were starting to cry. So I was like, oh my gosh, because it was so sad. <laughs> and we've had blunders like that since, right, yeah, exactly. Good moments, too. I think it's funny. I'm over here laughing. So I guess, you know, through the story you were saying and all that, what was a pivotal moment that you can just think of? of for your story. For my story, yeah. So uh, we got you when you were 17 months. At the time, your mom was incarcerated, and she was supposed to be getting up to 30 years, I think. And then your dad, he's, he had a couple visits with you at social services, and then he just disappeared. So I was like, we all love you. Whenever we go on vacation, you went with us. We never put you on a respite home. We always treated you like our son. My kids... My biological kids were so attached to you and you to them. And so I'm like, why can't we just adopt him? It's ridiculous. So I started that process and I got a lot of black from the black social workers. They felt like it was okay for me to be your foster mom, but that I shouldn't be your real mom. And so they wanted to take you and put you in another foster home. They gave me an ad litem type guy that would just like intervene for us. We had to go through a process so that they, at the time, so we could at least keep you until they decided for sure on what we had to fight for you. But at that time, you had an aunt that lived in Chicago as well. And she said that they asked if she would take you. And at that time, she had your half sister. And um, she's like, well, yeah, I can take him. So she had to come out to Denver and... We were both interviewed by a, a black psychologist that only dealt in Afro-American affairs. So I was like, whoa, I got the short hand on this thing. But we went through the process and I am a Christian and my heart was so broken. And I just gave it to the Lord because he knows where you would be the best, what would be the best for your life. So the outcome was that they chose our family over your aunt and I don't know why but I'm so grateful that that happened because I would have had a broken heart so then 
at that time, because there was such conflict in uh, different races adopting different races, the judge tried to make things so that everybody felt like they got at least a bit of a win, I guess. So instead of getting the legal adoption, he gave me permanent custody of you and then let us legally change your last name to our last name, which I'm not sure. I think it's just logistics, but we took it. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's a... That's a huge pivotal moment in the story. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you. In the story as well, is there anybody who like encouraged you or inspired you to take steps uh, to to do the adoption or to even do the foster caring, or was that kind of you know something that was a family thing that you and dad thought of? Or I think uh, I, of course it was nobody really talked to me about it, and I didn't know anybody else that had adopted, and I didn't know anybody else that were foster parents. Mm-hmm. And I do remember one time going to a a party, I think it was a Christmas party for all the foster families. And some families are so good with the kids and they do treat them like they're family. But I did see one case where this lady had like five foster kids that they were not taken care of properly. And it made me sick to my stomach because if you have a heart to be a foster parent, it's because you have a heart for children. Yeah, no, amen. And we talked about that too, just how some people do take advantage of circumstances and all that stuff, which is horrible. But for the most part, and that's why we do this podcast, is to share our testimonies and then as well as give insight and give encouragement for people too that want to do adoption or for people that are an adoptee just to know that you're not alone and they know the ways that you feel or the way that you, the way you think or the things that you do sometimes can be brought back to you know things in the childhood that you never knew that happened that could just be something that's hidden down deep right. so that's uh that's good to, to hear that yeah i know that when you were little because of the cultural thing, my case manager told me I needed to take you to activities of your culture. I know in another podcast you had talked about this, we did go to a Martin Luther King parade. I would take you into that community for like your haircuts. And I mean, I didn't do as much as I could have done. But at the same time, my philosophy was, doesn't matter what color you are. If you're loved, that should be the most important. And yes, as you've spoken to me about it since then, is it is important, that cultural thing, and also the racist or discrimination that you have encountered, which at the time, I, when you were little, I didn't want to talk about that because I didn't want you to think everything was racial. I just think if, from my perspective, I know there are people out there that are racist, but I think for more of the majority, for that I've seen is if people are jerks, they're jerks. It doesn't matter what color you are, they're just jerks. That's true. And so I didn't want you thinking that everything that happened to you was because of color, because I think that narrows your avenue as well. Oh yeah, heck yeah. No, that's that's a huge thing to talk about as well. Those things are good to talk about because then that clarifies things and, and gets things out of you know out of the water and, and, and makes it known at a young age and then as you get older, uh, you might not understand it, but then as you get older it starts kind of making sense of why you did that or why this happened or this or that. I've always in my own head, I don't know if I've said it to you, but I've always praised on how you know how you raised me and, and what you did. I couldn't ask for better parents or better siblings siblings or a better family i just i've been completely blessed so i I 
thank you guys as well as thank uh, Jesus, you know, for uh, letting us be together. And so uh, I really, really appreciate all that and giving us all that good stories and information. I don't know if you have anything else to say. I have a funny story. So I used to take you to get your hair cut, like it was probably 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes away from here. <laughs> and uh, once you'd go there and you'd have to wait for an hour or so, right? There'd be so many people get, waiting to get their hair cut. And the barber said one time, Oh, I can tell he's your son. He looks just like you. And I was like, okay, well, the that's joking. <laughs> And another story is when you were probably five, six years old, you knew you were black. And so I would, we would see people out on the street and we'd be like, what color is that person, Jerry? White. What color is that person, white? Or what color is that person? And then I'd say, well, what color am I, Jerry? And you'd always, you always thought I was black, <laughs> which made me feel like it's more the way you're treated by people at least when you're small mm-hmm. versus what color because children for the most part do not see the color of skin i think it's taught and yep and as you get older you know yeah for sure no that's a that's an awesome story that's huge just to say that because that's in adoption or anything it's definitely the time you take with your kid and i know we talked about it but like i said you can do your own things and, and make your own way which is okay but just like we said taking the time for her to do my haircut and to do those type of things is stuff my mom didn't have to do but she took her time to do that and throughout her doing that now it brought it back to me showing that like oh man like she loved me that much she did those small things and now I've done things in my life to do things like that like I said there's things I hold very dearly and those are things and you don't know that as a kid things you're going to hold dearly or things you're not going to hold it's just things you realize when you finally get older and you're like oh man and so those things really meant a lot to me to do that especially have that time with you and just to be be put first be 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 known that you're doing something just for me so it's pretty awesome uh, I just want to say thank you mom for doing the podcast we really really appreciate it and I'm just going to pray us out of here I just want to thank you Jesus for Patricia as well as myself and Craig I just want to thank you for all our listeners I want to thank you for them giving us the time to listen and as well as um, just giving us the time to share and as well as give our testimony um, I just want to thank you Jesus always for uh leading the way and as well as just being the light the whole podcast and everything we say and do we glorify you and i just want to thank you for everything you do for us and we put your name on high and in your name we pray amen